Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Oh, yes, it is. And let's dive right into it. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, there'll be plenty of them today. But when I decided to come back to radio, this was the kind of day I had in mind. Huge breaking stories. We'll get to James Harden in a minute. But I have just a minute with Adam Schefter, our NFL insider extraordinaire. He's with me with the breaking news we had all morning on TV. Shefty, for those who've not heard, give us the latest. Well, Greeny, here's the very latest. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer, the former Ohio State head coach, are in advanced talks to try to finalize a deal that would make him the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The only way that it wouldn't happen right now, it seems like, is if Urban Meyer changed his mind and decided to unexpectedly bail at the last moment. It is tracking in this direction. The two sides met as recently as yesterday. I think they're meeting again today, and all signs point to him becoming the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm told it's not fully agreed to yet. It's not official yet. Again, I think it's on the way to becoming official. Urban Meyer has begun assembling a staff, including a number of college coaches. It's not there yet, but it certainly seems like it's going to as the two sides are in advanced talks to try to finalize this deal as early as today. Not enormous news for a franchise that suddenly is a very attractive destination. Shefty, thanks a million for this. Great work this morning, and we'll check back with you if this thing uh, takes a turn in the next little while here. Let me give you some numbers. Do you need numbers on Urban Meyer? Do you need me to give you numbers on Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer has the highest winning percentage among all Division I coaches to debut after World War II. Highest. Higher than Nick Saban. Higher than anyone you want to put in there. Everywhere he goes, he turns things around immediately. He went to Ohio State in 2012. They were 6-7 and seven the year before he got there. His first year, they went 12-0. and 0. He got to Florida in 2005. He added two wins to their total. Went 9-3. and three. Went to Utah in 2003. They had been 5-6 and six the year before. They went 10-2 and two the year he gets there. Urban Meyer is a great coach. An all-time great coach. On the collegiate level. Will it work on the pro level? There's only one way to answer that question, and that is to say... You don't know. But it's easy to see why he wants the job. Quickly, we run through all of the things that make Jacksonville desirable. They have the first pick in the draft, which equals Trevor Lawrence. Everyone is in love with him. And if Urban Meyer takes this job, then you assume he is as well. They have a ton of cap space in a state with no state income tax, which means they have the opportunity to attract a bunch of players. They also have a ton of draft capital. So despite the lack of tradition and history and the London factor and everything else that goes through Jacksonville, it is easy to see why this would be an attractive opening and a spot where Urban Meyer, at the age of 56, he'll be 57 by the time the next football season begins, he might say, you know what, I'm ready to take a shot at this NFL, and this is where I'm going to go do it. So we'll keep a close eye on it. I can tell you, knowing Shefty as I have as many years as I have, He doesn't make as big a deal of this story on the air this morning as he did with us, and again, just here right now, if he doesn't think that they're close. Now, again, he just said it. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. These things can always fall apart. But the fact that Shefty was as into getting into this this morning as he has been suggests to me this is close. So in my opinion, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer are very close to making him the first move that gets made during this 
offseason. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. So that is the breaking news that we got this morning after the enormous breaking news from yesterday. The Brooklyn Nets are acquiring Houston's James Harden in a blockbuster deal. He gets his wish in every way. This trade makes the Nets the most must-see team in the NBA by a long distance. All right, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the Straight Talk is this. I told you two months ago, James Harden had already been traded by the Rockets. They just didn't know it yet. Let's very quickly give their side of this. Congratulations to them. They did very well. I think all things considered, when you look at the way Harden behaved and you look at the way he had, everyone knew he had them over the barrel they were over, they did pretty well in this. But they become immediately forgotten in this. The story here, obviously, is Brooklyn. Harden wanted this. KD wanted this, and now it is completely on them. This isn't about Steve Nash. Kyrie Irving actually had that right. You don't coach a team when these guys are on it, especially when they made the decision to come together. No coach tells them what to do. They either make it work or they don't. And I would be inclined to say, I think they will. The fact that Durant and Harden know each other as they do, that this was their choice to come together as it was. LeBron and AD chose each other. LeBron and D-Wade chose each other. When these superstars choose to come together, they sacrifice what they need to sacrifice to win. They're telling you, I got my money, now it's about winning chips. And so those two guys will do it. The enormous X factor in all of this, obviously, the ultimate wild card is Kyrie. That has to get resolved as quickly as possible. And my general feeling on it is that the best way will probably be without him. I I think it is very difficult to imagine a scenario in which Kyrie comes back and absolutely everything works out fine. It's not impossible. And I'll be rooting for it because I root for A, I I don't root against good things happening for people, and B, I like Kyrie. And unlike many others, I do not think Kyrie Irving is a bad person. I do not think that his, his actions right now are born from narcissism or unprofessionalism. I think they're born from a man who needs a little bit of help. But in the absence of everything changing really fast and really soon, the best thing is probably for that situation to come to an end as quickly as possible, remove whatever cloud that has hovering over the franchise and just let KD and Harden go to work because that's more than enough. Those two guys, are you kidding? There's nothing they can't do. What does Vegas think? Glad you asked. The Nets moved ahead of Milwaukee and are now the second favorites behind only the Lakers to win the NBA championship. The Nets went from five and a half to one to three to one at Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill to win the NBA championship. And the bigger picture thought I have here is that as an NBA season hangs by a thread because of COVID, it gets exactly the juice it needed. Because this is one you will not be able to take your eyes off of. One thing needs to be said before we let it begin. And that is that the way Harden handled all of this was disgraceful. There are so many things about him to admire, and I do particularly that he is opposed to load management. I hate load management. They are my two least favorite words in sports. And Harden shows up every single night and plays hard every single night. Until this. 
That was a lack of professionalism. Showing up late, not being a part of anything, showing up completely out of shape, mailing it in when you're getting paid $40 million, whether it's a pandemic or not, but it feels especially galling when half the country is out of work. He's a great player, and this stuff doesn't tend to stick to people. So I'm not saying his reputation is ruined or even significantly damaged, but it does need to be said at least one time. The way this handled was unseemly and unsightly. If they start winning big, it'll be long since forgotten, and I'm not suggesting that it shouldn't be. But I didn't like it, and I'm guessing you didn't either. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, we are jam-packed today. We have so much developing news. Uh, the green list is coming your way shortly. We will, um, I will give you the top five players, the top five players in the NBA right now who've never won a championship. Where does Harden go on the list? Spoiler alert, it's not number one. But up next, tons of football. Moose Johnston and Joe Thomas are both coming up in the next half hour. We're just getting rolling on a busy day. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. And on this incredibly busy day with the James Harden trade yesterday and the Urban Meyer news out there today, if you're just joining us, Shefty reporting, he is maybe on the verge of making a deal with Jacksonville. We have great football conversation coming up. Joe Thomas will join me live in 15 minutes. And right now, it is my pleasure to welcome back on the Goodyear hotline. Uh, you see him now on Fox, Moose Johnston, who won all those Super Bowls in Dallas and does games all along. And, and Moose, they handed me a little sheet here about you. And one line just jumped out at me that I find shocking. Saturday, you finished your 20th season with Fox, how the heck can 20 years have possibly gone by? Moose? I framed that so well, and now I don't hear him. Let me see. Guys, is it just me that doesn't hear him, or is he not there? Uh, let's see if we can get him up there. Boy, that was such a good entry, too. I was, very, I was feeling really good about that. Let's see if we can't edit that together at some point for the podcast. Someone tell me what to do here. Is Moose with us? Again, Daryl Johnston, Moose Johnston from Fox all these years, won those Super Bowls with Dallas. Fox has Rams, Packers on Saturday, and Buccaneers and Saints on Sunday. A million different things I want to get into with him. And so let's see if we seem to have lost him there. Again, Joe Thomas will join me momentarily. Let's try it again. Moose, I'm going to do the whole same frilly intro that I had a moment ago. In the notes they gave me, it said that you just finished your 20th season with Fox, how can it be 20 years since you were playing in the National Football League? I have no idea. I have no idea. And, and I did get to hear it the first time. So it, it was at my end with the, uh, 
with the audio, but we, we are celebrating my son's 21st birthday this morning. So, yeah, time is uh, time is flying by. Congratulations to him and to you, and it is a pleasure to talk to you again. And before I get into all the stuff that I planned to get into here, I'm not sure if you've heard, but the news this morning is that Jacksonville may be very close to a deal with Urban Meyer. And I'm interested in your thoughts on that because when you look at the college coaches who go to the NFL – Frequently, there's not a lot of success. Maybe the greatest success story ever was Jimmy Johnson, who came there and built that Dallas Cowboys team that you were a part of and won two Super Bowls as the coach and was a huge part of building the one that won the third as well. So what do you remember about that from his transition from college to the pros? And what can you tell us about your thoughts on on how Urban Meyer might work in Jacksonville? Yeah, I thought one of the best things that uh, that Jimmy did was was realize that – he needed to stay true to his values when it came to being a, a, a football coach, not a college football coach or an NFL football coach, but just a football coach in general. And we went through our preseason. We were three and one. Obviously, the preseason's a little bit different than the regular season. But I think that he felt that at that time, we were out of college. We were grown men. We could be responsible. Um, we didn't need to be pushed. We didn't need to be motivated. There were a lot of things that he felt uh, were already in place at, at that level, at the professional level. Uh, and, and he found out that that was not the case. So uh, I remember the day where he said, listen, I tried this, you know, to be a professional and let you guys give you the responsibility and do things that way. And that did not work. Our opening game against the New Orleans Saints, we got beat 28 to nothing. We were very, very poor in blocking and tackling, which are the key components of football. Uh, and, and Coach Johnson told us at that time, he goes, uh, you, you had a chance to do things that way, and now we're going to do things my way. Mm. So he just went back to what he believed in. Uh, in the preparation, uh, you know, all the hard work that goes into that, you know, very physical, very demanding training camps. Uh, and, and that was the cornerstone, the foundation of those teams having success. And and I'm seeing a little bit of that with Matt Rule. Um, I really enjoyed our conversations with him when we had Carolina a couple of times. I, I see him staying true to his values uh, from what he did when he turned Temple around, from when he turned Baylor around. Uh, when you have success at those two collegiate programs the way that he did and as quickly as he did, uh, obviously, there's there's great wisdom there. There's uh, there's a feel and a style he has, and I think he's staying true to that in Carolina. So that's that's what Urban Meyer will need to do if he gets the opportunity in Jacksonville. Uh, you were tremendously successful at every stop, not just Ohio State and Florida, but but at every stop along the way. You know, believe in what you have in place at all those different opportunities, and continue to do that at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, it is still football. It's professional football, but it's still football. And a lot of those things that make great teams at the collegiate level are necessary at the professional level as well. Yeah, and look, he's, he's got the number one pick, which will be Trevor Lawrence, and he's got a ton of free agent, or excuse me, cap space, which could mean free agents. So it's a pretty attractive little spot. We'll see if he's able to get it done. All right, Moose Johnston with me here. Let's get to the games. Again, you're at Fox for 20 years now, and, and Fox has two uh, games this weekend. Let's start with Rams-Packers. The Rams defense has been unbelievable, and obviously it has the two superstars and Aaron Donald in the middle and Jalen Ramsey at the corner who will go head-to-head in a an un, what should be an unbelievable matchup with Devontae Adams. How do you see that matchup of that defense against Aaron Rodgers in the season that he's having? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. There's uh, There's been, I think, 12 previous opportunities where it's been a number one defense and a number one offense, and, and unfortunately for me as an offensive player, uh, the defensive side has gotten the better of us. Uh, they're eight and four when it's number one versus number one uh, through the history uh, of the modern era when you talk about those types of matchups in the playoffs. So 
I, I think this is going to be very interesting. I, I think the big thing is, is how healthy is Aaron Donald? Um, you know, how much of an impact is he going to be able to make in the middle? Uh, I think some people will say an Aaron Donald at, at 85, 90% is, is probably as good as most players in the NFL. Um, Leonard Floyd on the edge, I think, is somebody that's been overlooked a little bit this year. When you have the dominance inside that Aaron provides in creating one-on-one matchups, uh, I think Leonard Floyd's been able to take advantage of that. And, and I agree with you, Mike. I think one of the more intriguing elements is going to be the Jalen Ramsey-Devontae Adams matchup. And, and how, does, how does Coach Staley play that one out? Uh, he doesn't always travel with the uh, number one wide receiver because he is so talented at, at blitzing, at, at deciphering things, you know, in the middle of the field and being able to make plays on the football. So, you know, how do they actually create that matchup? So th- that's definitely going to be one of the things that we look at. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about DK Metcalf and, and what Jalen Ramsey did to him, but I'm, I'm excited to talk to him today and just find out when you talk about DK Metcalf, that's size and speed. But almost everybody we talk to talks about how great a route runner Devontae Adams is. So just to get some some insight from from Jalen Ramsey about that challenge, you know, it's not just about size and, and, and speed and point of the catch, but with Devontae, it's about the release. It's about setting people up and, and creating separation. Moose Johnston from Fox with me again. That's their early game. That's the early game on Saturday. And then Fox has the later game on Sunday. And that, look, I mean, you you, you can't ask for more than a matchup of Tom Brady, who was 43, and Drew Brees, who tomorrow will turn 42 and are the two most accomplished quarterbacks statistically in the history of the sport, going head-to-head. So here's my question for you, Moose. The last five games after their bye, Tampa's offense has looked completely different, and they have been practically unstoppable. They've been great, including against a good Washington defense last week. But they have generally played bad teams and have not beaten a winning team in that stretch. So how much are you buying into the new look Buccaneers offense, and what do you think they look like against the Saints Sunday night? Um, we we had them down the stretch, uh, you know, in that period that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the big thing is Ronald Jones. You know, what what is his health going to be? I, I because I think that that was really when you looked when that offense really started to take off. Uh, you know, it was really you know the the addition of of Ronald Jones being you know kind of the one of the big players on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think you look at Antonio Brown, you know, finally getting comfortable, finally getting that chemistry created with Tom Brady. And, and this has been a season-long progression. Um, we had him early in the season, and we had him late in the season. And, and Tom said how much of a challenge it was for him. And then Bruce Arians actually validated that as well. He goes, listen, you know, the guy's been playing this game for a long time, you know, but he's been playing it in the same system. You know, this is completely different. It's going to take time. You know, just because he's Tom Brady doesn't mean he didn't suffer from not having the traditional off-season preparation to get comfortable in this offense and to build that chemistry with the playmakers on the outside. So, you know, I think there was some expectations that we had as fans um, and, and, and really people involved in the game of football that, you know, why didn't Tom Brady just, you know, pick up and hit the ground running. And, you know, to hear those guys talk about it, it was, it was really enlightening for me. And I just think that's the growth during the course of the season. Uh, I think Gronkowski has gotten healthier and, and gotten his feet underneath him. And that's been a big plus. Um, but I think it's just all the pieces coming together and, and you want to be playing your best football coming into the month of December. And, and I really think that Tampa Bay and the NFC was one of those teams. I, I think that green Bay is another one um, that's playing their, their best football as we get ready to head into the playoffs. So uh, I know everybody says it, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. Uh, you know, we had that happen quite a bit to us during our, our early years on those Super Bowl runs, you know, with Philadelphia, with some of the teams in our division that we had to play three times. Um, there is familiarity there. 
uh, and it does make it challenging. But the better team wins, and and if you're a better team than them, there, there's no problem in winning three times in one season. So you know, I, I think we can kind of throw that talk out the window. I think it's going to be interesting to see because I don't think the Saints have been playing their best football down the stretch. They've been, they've been a little bit bumpy. Um, so where is Drew Brees now coming back off of those rib injuries uh, and, and him playing at a high level against Tom Brady in an offense that, that really have started to hit their stride? It should be a fascinating matchup. Again, both games, uh, this, all four games this weekend are fantastic. Greeny and Moose Johnson, one more thing I'd like to do with you here. I do a little feature in which I, I ask people to tell me a story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. So, so you told a great story about Jimmy Johnson, but but I, I worked with Michael Irvin here at ESPN for a while, and, and he is, you know, to say the least, one of the most interesting people I've ever been around in my entire life. Give me a quick story, a quick Michael Irvin story from your career playing together. I just don't think people understand how hard he worked at his craft. Um, he seems to be one of those guys that everything came easy to, and – Everything was a challenge going all the way back to his childhood. You know, I, I think a lot of people are familiar how, how large the family was, you know, challenging it was for him economically with that many siblings in the family. Um, and, and I remember one time um, we were at training camp and, and he went up and he got cereal and he put water on his cereal. Mm. And I said, why don't you put milk on your cereal? Why do you use water? Is that, is that you know, something you do nutritionally? He goes, no, we, we couldn't afford milk for everybody or cereal growing up as kids, so we got used to eating it with water, and, and that's how I do things. So he came from very, very humble beginnings, mm. um, and then just worked his way to the top. And, and I've always told everybody there was not a harder working guy on our Super Bowl teams than Michael Irvin. And our strength coach uh, for the for the Cowboys at that time was was Mike Wojcik, who was my strength coach at Syracuse. And he would share stories with me where, where Michael would come back to the facility in the evening. Um, and, and wanting it faster. He, he felt that he wasn't as good as Jerry Rice and, and Herman Moore and all the guys, Sterling Sharp, you know, all the guys that were playing during Michael's era, he always felt he was not as good, and that was his driving force. So he was always looking for some way to get better, whether it was spending time with Mike, you know, increasing his speed. When we were getting ready for uh, the quarterback schools and, and getting ready for training camp, you know, Mike would be there in the evening with Jason Garrett running routes on air, in his shoulder pads and helmet in April and May. And, you know, what are you doing, Mike? And he goes, well, I don't play the game without my helmet shoulder pads, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to be out here practicing, you know, without my helmet shoulder pads. And that was just his mentality. And it's just people see him on TV and they see that big gregarious personality and, uh, you know, probably expect that he had pretty a pretty easy road to get to where he is today. Uh, it was challenging as a young man growing up in a family. Um, it, it, it motivated him. Uh, and created that work ethic that was a part of him that, that to me, was second to none uh, for any of our players on those Super Bowl teams. So uh, he's one of my favorite guys in the world. And, and that's the one thing I told him. I said, you know, when I was when I was growing up and I watched you at the University of Miami, I couldn't stand you. I mean, you were just you were just always, you know, hey, look at me and you know, score a touchdown and all these different things. And I said, I would never trade you for any other teammate out there. I said, mm-hmm. you are the best teammate that I have ever been on on any team. It's just unbelievable how, how, how hard you work and everything you do. But for the other, the other side, you frustrate them as much as we love you. So uh, he's just uh, he's an awesome guy. He's an awesome guy. That is a great story. My goodness. Moose, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll be watching this weekend. Always appreciate the time. Be well, my friend. 
You too. Take care. All right. That's Moose Johnston. That is a terrific story. And Michael, he is such an interesting person. And I did see some of that work, again, just on a tiny little level, but I did see some of that work ethic when he worked here at ESPN. Uh, The conversation continues in exactly 30 seconds. The Cleveland Browns are into the second round of the playoffs. One of the great players they've ever had, Joe Thomas, will join me. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All the pressure is on Kansas City. Mahomes hasn't played in three weeks. The Browns aren't supposed to be here. You're trying to look and just make sure that you take care of business against the Browns. I think there's no telling what this Browns team could end up doing. Well, coming off of what was an unbelievable win on Sunday night, the Cleveland Browns have moved on in the playoffs, and now they take on the number one seed, Kansas City, this weekend. And here to talk about it with me on the Goodyear Hotline is one of the great players in Browns history, one of the great offensive linemen of all time, and now an NFL network analyst, the one and only Joe Thomas, is with me here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Joe. Hey, Greeny. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It is a pleasure to talk with you. My favorite statistic, maybe in recent NFL memory, Joe Thomas played and never missed a snap, 10,363 consecutive snaps. And look, it is well documented, all of the struggles that that franchise went through during the years you were there. So I'm, I'm interested to hear to begin with, what does it mean to you to see this team where it is right now? Well, it's really exciting for me because I'm a full-blown Browns fan at this point, and really what it is is the resurrection of a franchise because the Browns really haven't had a team since they came back in 1999 to really feel like it's their own and to be proud of because even the 2002 team that made the playoffs, which before this was the only new Browns team to make the playoffs, they kind of backed their way into the playoffs and then they lost in the first round. But I feel like Browns fans in general really – can be proud of this team that's out there. And they really have a lot of hope that the end of the road is not in Kansas City this weekend. I think there's a lot of belief, maybe not around the league circles, but definitely in Cleveland, that this is something that is sustainable throughout this playoff run and then into the future. Joe Thomas, who you can follow on Twitter, at Joe Thomas 73 Let me give you the stat here. Teams who have beaten Patrick Mahomes, and again, he has only lost nine games, including playoffs in the NFL. But in those games... The teams that beat him have averaged 35 rushes for 166 yards. Now, obviously, between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they've got the formula to do it. Is that the key this weekend to you, to Cleveland having a shot to pull off the upset? Yeah, I think there's three big keys. One is you have to win the turnover battle because you can't give Patrick Mahomes more possessions. Uh, He's so dangerous. He's going to get his points. You really can't do anything to limit what he does. You just got to try to limit the overall number of possessions. So winning the turnover battle is huge. Running the football, like you mentioned, that is so crucial because what does that do? That also limits the number of possessions Patrick Mahomes can have. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of control the clock, keep him on the sideline, make him get antsy, make him feel like he has to push the ball down the field, speed things up. That's when a mistake can potentially happen. And then I think running the ball when they get into the red zone is huge. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is the last ranked red zone defense 
in the NFL. Everybody talks about you got to be able to run the, fall, run the ball effectively when you get into the red zone because those windows in the passing game get tighter. If the Browns are going to be good in the red zone, are converting touchdowns instead of field goals, doing that with the run game, I think they have a great chance to win this game. It's really good insight. Joe Thomas is with me here again. He's now at NFL Network. They'll have NFL game day morning Saturday at noon and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on NFL Network. All right, Joe, let, let's talk about the quarterback the Baker Mayfield comes in as the number one pick, and there were some big ups and a few downs. And now all of a sudden, where is it? What are you seeing in Baker Mayfield right now? Well, Baker's playing the best football of his career at the right time in December and into January. And I know Patrick Mahomes has had an MVP caliber year, and he still might win the NFL MVP. But people might be surprised that since week 12, so the last quarter of the season, Baker Mayfield has actually outplayed Patrick Mahomes statistically. He's got a better passer rating, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions, and a better completion percentage. And so when you watch Baker Mayfield, you're saying, we have seen an incredible amount of maturity and growth from him this entire season. And he's making the plays that he has to make right now down the stretch, including last weekend when he was able to put his head down and get a big first down running through a couple of Steelers defenders. And I think it's that mindset of, competitiveness and whatever it takes that Baker Mayfield brings to that entire offense that's really rubbed off on that entire team and a big reason why they were able to go into Pittsburgh and slay the beast that has really tortured them for so many years in Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Quickly, in just a moment I have left, Joe, I said on Monday that that there are some wins that feel even bigger than a championship and you would get this part of it. Like, what do you think it means to those players, to that city, to that team, even to you, for them to go in there to Pittsburgh, of all things, go in there to their building and beat that team in that spot that night? Mm-hmm. Well, Pittsburgh has been Cleveland's biggest rival for a long time, but unfortunately, since the Browns came back in 99, the Steelers have had their number, and it really hasn't even felt like much of a rivalry. So for them to be able to go into that building and beat Big Ben, which is something that has almost never happened throughout Ben Roethlisberger's career in Pittsburgh, in the playoffs, in one of the biggest moments that this franchise has had in recent memory. It just feels like the monkey of two decades of really, really bad football, including a stretch that I was involved in of one in 31, which has got to be the worst two seasons in NFL history. To be able to get that monkey off your back and feel like you've been rejuvenated and reborn into a new version of the Cleveland Browns under Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, it really, it's really impossible to put into words how important this is for this incredibly proud franchise that was really, really not so proud a couple uh, seasons ago, but now just has new life. And it's a beautiful thing because you did it in Pittsburgh against your biggest rival and revitalized that rivalry between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And we'll see what they do on Sunday. Joe, it's a pleasure to catch up. Thank you for the time. Enjoy. We'll check it again soon. Thanks, Greeny. Go Brown. Now go Brown. That's Joe. I love it. I love. I love the fact that it still matters to him. And and again, it's it's just it is such a shame. He was so good. It is such a shame they couldn't have done this while he was there. Are coming up the green list today. Back to James Harden. Is he the best active player never to win a championship? Spoiler alert. The answer is no. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. I am Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. And a reminder, I'm with you here two hours every single day. I'd love to hang out two hours every single day. But you have a life. You have things you're doing. So if you miss anything that we do here... You can always catch up with the podcast. It is a, a two-hour show. We make each hour its own individual podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. It's available anywhere you listen to your podcast. And a big part of it every single day is the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. That is correct. And it is my list and mine exclusively. So when my stage manager, Brandon Phillips, said to me, Greeny, can I try and guess who the players, the active players are who are ahead of James Harden, I said, well, statistically, it doesn't make any difference. This list is exclusively about my opinion. So with James Harden being traded yesterday to the Brooklyn Nets, it got me to thinking, who are the top five players in the NBA today, active players who have never won an NBA championship? Here we go. Number five. I'm putting Giannis five. Now, he's young. He is not as historically successful as so many others have been. And there's a lot, a lot of the players you'll see on the list. In fact, all the players you'll see on the list have generally played a decade or more. In some cases, closer to two decades. It's kind of hard to figure out where to put Giannis on this. But look, he's a two-time MVP. I think he is an historical great already. And when you consider the way he is sort of viewed in the NBA today... I think he belongs on the list. I will put Giannis Antetokounmpo at number five on the current list of players in the NBA who have never won a championship. Again, it is not about who's the best player this minute, but about the five historical greats who are currently without an NBA ring. Number four. At four, I'm putting Russell Westbrook, who is a former teammate, of course, of both KD and James Harden. Russell Westbrook has made it to the first round of the playoffs four times, to the semis, two times to the Western Conference Finals, three times, made it to the NBA Finals once. Remember back a million years ago when OKC made it into the NBA Finals with KD and Russ and Harden, and they lost to LeBron in the heat. In those finals, Russell Westbrook averaged 27 points, six assists, and six boards. But look, he's a walking triple-double. He's a league MVP. He is, I think, I think he is an historical great. I think Russell Westbrook deserves to be considered with the great players. He's a unique player. He's not for everyone. And there have been some moments out there that have been less than you would have hoped they would turn into. It's not over for him by any means. He's in his early 30s. He's got more time to come. But I have Russell Westbrook on my list of the top five players in the NBA without a championship. Number three. This was the really hard one for me to figure. Carmelo Anthony is number three. Carmelo Anthony has basically done less winning in the NBA than practically any all-time great player. So much so that it is kind of hard to name him as an all-time great player. When you look at his great accomplishments, really, you go to Syracuse and you go to the Olympics. But in the NBA, he's been to the conference finals once. He had a monster season with the Knicks. That team got knocked out in the second round of a series that they, I think, easily could have won. Maybe some would say should have won. 
Carmelo just hasn't done enough winning. I actually really agonized over whether he belonged on the list at all. But when you look at the offensive numbers, he is so high on the list of all-time great players offensively. And nowadays we use an expression, a walking bucket. Well, no one has ever been a walking bucket any more than Carmelo Anthony was and is. He's still playing. And he's still playing at a reasonable level. So Anthony, to me, belongs on the list. I know there will be people who disagree with that. I get it. I agonized with this because there will be names you will not hear on this list who I could understand the argument for. But on today's green list, Carmelo Anthony is number three. Number two. Number two is Harden. James Harden is number two on this list as he makes his way now to Brooklyn. In the playoffs of the career, he's 66 and 62. He made that one NBA Finals He averaged 12 points a game in the finals, but he had three games where he scored nine points or less. He really struggled, you might recall. He was the instant offense off the bench on those OKC teams early in his career, long before we had any idea he was going to turn into the player that he has become. But he's a league MVP. He, with the marriage of James Harden and Mike D'Antoni, is one of the great sports marriages of coach and superstar ever. Because Dan Tony's philosophy and the way he wanted to do things, no player could possibly have benefited from that more, including Steve Nash, than James Harden, who put up numbers the likes of which we haven't seen since Jordan and Chamberlain and all the rest of that. So despite his own personal shortcomings in the playoffs, he belonged high on this list. He is number two on my list of the great current players never to win a championship. Do you know who number one is? Is it obvious who number one is? Brandon is nodding his head. Who's it going to be? Number one. Chris Paul is correct. CP3 is number one on the list of the historically great current NBA players without a championship. When it is all said and done, Chris Paul is going to go down on the very short list of the greatest point guards who ever play. (coughs) Chris Paul's numbers would have him right there, right there, with people like Isaiah Thomas, the all-time great point guards, John Stockton, It is the lack of playoff success that has really hampered him. And not only does he not have a championship, but he has really struggled in the playoffs. And you think about that one year in Houston when he and James Harden, they had Golden State on the ropes and he got hurt. CP3 got hurt and they didn't make it out of that round. They might have won the championship that year. Chris Paul is number one on my list. Today's green list of the greatest current NBA players not to win a championship. Giannis at five, Russell Westbrook at four, Carmelo Anthony at three, James Harden at two, and Chris Paul at number one. Huge hour coming up, including the Hall of Famer, the legend, Ed Reed, live on ESPN Radio.